0: Go ahead and take your Bibles this morning and turn to the book of Hebrews chapter number 12 and uh, Hebrews chapter uh, number 12 and um, you know it's um, important to remember where our country came from in the right ways because so many things are proposed that they're just not accurate especially in its context and I don't. I don't. I said this in Sunday school. I'm not going to stand here and pretend like the United States of America is perfect. It's never been perfect, never will be perfect as long as we're here, right? Yeah. I mean, it's you. You put. You get flawed people, sinful people involved with anything. They'll mess anything up. But uh, the principles upon which this country is founded are based upon the scriptures and the Word of God. You cannot. The only way you can deny that is if you lie about it. It's just just the way it is. I mean, our forefathers were wise enough to actually imprint it on our buildings that were built from that era. And you cannot get away from that truth. And what was produced as a result of it is remarkable. I look out here, I was just looking out, how many people sitting in this room right now are from or you have very close ties to places all around the globe and yet we're here there's a reason for that and uh, God God uh, I believe raises nation up and and uh, for a purpose for a time and how who knows how long that time is I don't know but I'm thankful for it and I and I appreciate it we're going to get to the text here in just a moment that's going to be the focus is the text of course for this for this morning but i I want to make a, a couple comments, kind of set the course of uh, where we're going uh, this morning. You know, the, the Independence Day, that's July the 4th, of course, remembers the founding of our country, which is inseparable from the ones who have served and the ones who have given their lives for it. You cannot, you know, tell the story of our nation without people who are willing uh, to sacrifice. Why, even back to uh, the Declaration of Independence itself, which is what July the 4th remembers uh, independence day conjures up memories of great patriots who sacrificed much so that those who would come who would come could have much and i want you to i want you to, to remember that think about that there are people who sacrificed much so that you and i could have could have much in other words they lived beyond themselves and there is, a, there is a, a lack of that in our day. People, people can't live beyond what's at the end of their nose anymore. And, but, but our forefathers lived beyond themselves. They, were, they saw what could happen beyond uh, their time. I, there, it was Benjamin Franklin who, after putting his pen down, quipped, We must indeed all hang together. Or most assuredly, we shall hang separately. That was upon his signing and the, the, talking about the signers of the Declaration of Independence. They said we we got to hang together. We might say stick together. What he was saying, but but if not, then we're going to go down. We're going to go down separately. They understood. Uh, they understood that, uh, despite such dire consequences, the reality was that our founding fathers valued freedom. And it's promise for themselves and their posterity so much that they would risk and pledge their lives, fortunes, and sacred honor. Signing the Declaration of Independence proved to be very costly. Five signers were captured by the British and brutally tortured as traitors. Nine fought in the Revolutionary War and died from wounds or hardships. Two lost their sons in the war, and at least two others had sons captured. At least a dozen of the 56 that signed it had their homes pillaged and burned. I mean, it cost something, but it was a price that they were willing to pay because of something beyond themselves. Uh, Patrick Henry gave the famous speech where he said, give me liberty or give me death. He said he was willing to pay the price for something beyond himself. These great patriots lived beyond themselves. Their, their motto was not, eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we die. That's, that phrase, eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we die, actually is from the book of Isaiah. You can, it's, it's stated there, but the mindset is actually mentioned in several places in Scripture. The idea of eat, drink, and be merry, it's, it's, it's part of the characteristics of the days of Noah. Where it was, eat, drink, and be merry. And the idea is, hey, you know what? This is our time. And it's, it's all about what I can get out of my time. When the reality is, there's so much more to live for. There's a much greater purpose that one can live for if one is willing to pay the price. If one is willing to pay the cost. If one is willing uh, to sacrifice. Amen. There's nothing, though, in our day, there's unfortunately... Nothing for many people ever considered that is beyond themselves It's all about me. It's all about now. It's it's all about today, but it, it, it falls short It falls short of providing any real purpose. It falls short of Providing any real fruit that can remain Afterwards, you know, there's you know, there's parents who live just for today they're not willing to sacrifice for their children. They're not willing to invest for their in, in, into their kids or whatever. And you know what? It falls short and it and it and it, it pays off and no reward. There is nothing of positive nothing positive that's ever reaped or that's benefited from that. There's people uh, even that might be Christians who live completely unto themselves. And they never impact another person. They never they never pay the price to impact anyone else. And it falls short of bringing the fulfillment and the the bounty and the reward that it can bring if they're willing to sacrifice and live beyond themselves. With that thought in mind, I want to take a look at our passage here in the book of Hebrews chapter number 12. We'll begin reading in verse number one, but really we're going to go down to to verse number uh, three and focus mainly on verses two and three. But And, I, and note the phrase here in verse number three. It says, for consider him. And that's what I want to do this morning. We, we think about all the great things that have led to where we are in our country, led it to our forefathers, all that. But what I want to consider him this morning. Because all the things that I've talked about, that these, these that have come before us have in some way adopted a mindset that was beyond themselves. The Lord Jesus lived out to its fullest. He did not not come to this earth for the benefit of himself. He did not come to this earth for the benefit of what he might gain for it in the temporary. He came to this earth to do an eternal work. And the Bible says in verse 3, For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds. Dear Lord, help us now as we take a look at the Scripture's This morning, I pray that you would guide us and direct us and help us, encourage, convict, do the work that needs to be done in Jesus' name. Amen. Here we see the focus is clearly on the Lord Jesus Christ. And you and I as the reader are challenged to consider him. It's good on a day like today to consider our forefathers, but the one, the one that we should ultimately consider is our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Aren't you glad that he didn't just live unto himself? Aren't you glad that he didn't live selfishly, that he, didn't, that he lived for something more, for a greater purpose, for a particular cause? I want you to notice, first of all, that we are called on to consider his enduring. Consider his enduring. Look at verse number 3. It says, for consider him that Endured. Endure means to stay under. It means exactly what you think it means when you look at it. It means don't stop, don't quit, because the circumstances are difficult and the circumstances are hard. You know, if somebody gets up and everything goes their way and the sun rises and the sun sets and it's all sunshine and uh, they get a raise at work and they... You know, everybody is patting them on the back and everybody is heaping accolades upon them. Nobody is going to say, boy, they endured that day. <laughs> they might say they enjoyed that day, but they're not going to say they endured. They're, they're, they're not going to say they endured that day. But what Jesus did, the Bible says, consider him that endured. That means to stay under. He carried his burden all the way through. Amen. He carried it all the way to the end. He came into sinful world and was rejected by sinful man. The book of uh, John chapter number one says it this way, that he came into his own and his own received him not. And, and if you, if you dig into that, it is talking about, he came into his own creation, but his own people received him, not the, the, the pronouns there. it's, It's there's a little slight difference there that making it clear. That even in his own, what he created, John 1 makes it clear, he was the creator. Even in what he created, what was rightfully his in every way, he came into it and the, the very people that he created, the very nation even that he set apart unto himself, that those people re, would not receive him. They would reject him, but he endured, but he continued, but he carried on what he did. Just, I'll I'll use his words here, and I want to say this very carefully, and I I think you'll understand what I mean. What he did, he could have avoided. And while I'll, I'll read to you Matthew chapter number 26 and verse 53, he told his disciples, he says, thinkest thou that I cannot now pray to my father, and he shall presently give me more than 12 legions of angels. He wasn't powerless. He was God the son, God manifest in the flesh. But the Bible says, consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners. He, he carried the burden. He carried the load that needed to be carried. And he carried it all the way to the finish line, to the very point on the cross as he hung there. And he declared this, it is finished. He endured here because of a greater purpose. He could not stop and he would not quit. Luke chapter number 14 and verse 27 says that whosoever doth not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. He met his followers one day. He turned turned to the crowd and he said, you want to be my disciple? Here's what it's going to take. You're going to have to take your cross and follow me. Now, I always, I think that's an interesting question. A statement when it was made, because at that point, Jesus had not died on the cross. His, his death on the cross had not yet taken place, but to him, that cross spoke of the purpose for which he lived. It pointed to the purpose for which he would, was here on this earth to die on that cross. He looked at his followers. He said, listen, you're going to follow me. You're going to have to take up your cross and follow me. In other words, you're going to have to see a purpose bigger than yourself. You're going to have to find your purpose in me. And you're going to have to be willing to endure just like he did. The Bible tells us, consider him who endured. You're going to have to endure even as I endured under the burden of the cross, And while it may not have been on him when he said that in Luke chapter number 14, it was on him because he knew what he was going to. He knew what he was going to face. And yet the Bible says, consider him for he endured. We need to consider. We're called upon to consider his endurance. Do you know one big problem that we're dealing with today in our world? People just quit too easy. People, people once it gets hard, once it gets difficult, that means it's time to lay it down. No, that might mean time it's time to buckle up and keep and keep going forward. Amen. You know, sometimes, sometimes people might say, well, you know, they'll start out a, a, a couple newly married. Yeah, we're going to serve God with our life and in our home. And, 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 and then something gets hard and suddenly, no, this is too hard. We're going to do it a different way now. The Bible says, consider him that endured. You know, the Christian life, I, I, I've been privileged to be a part of it for my entire life. I mean, you know, no, today's my birthday. I was, I, this is a, a, a day, some, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to air a grievance here for a moment. <laughs> I was talking to a, one of our, yeah, I'm not, I'm not going to embarrass him because I don't want him to be embarrassed, but I was talking to one of our, joking around on Wednesday with one of our, our young, our, our young fellows around here, and he was, he was joking around. About his grandpa, and, he, and not about his real grandpa. He was—he was saying, trying to convince me, he was his his grandpa. And so I said, "How?" And it came up. said, "How old? How old are you? How old are you as your grandpa?" He said, 42. I said, "Be quiet, all right?" <laughs> that's what I. Your grandpa can't be forty. I'm forty. I'm turning forty-two. You can't be forty-two. I—that's—I'm I, not old enough. to... I mean, come on. That hurt my feelings, and I haven't. <laughs> I haven't gotten over it yet, but uh, you pray for me and the Lord will deliver me from it. But uh, but, <laughs> but there was a reason that kind of fit there for a minute, but I, I got distracted by my burden. But anyway, my, but people don't want to, they don't want to endure anything. Your people, yeah, they get knocked off the track too easily. Well, it's too hard. Somebody made fun of me. I'm going to quit. I, I, somebody's going to mock me so I can't. I can't, you know, witness, or somebody's gonna somebody's gonna uh, uh, think think negatively about me. I'm under such persecution. You know, you know, there's people that have dealt with real persecution for the Lord Jesus Christ. you know that right here in the state of Connecticut, in which in which we live, there were people that were thrown in jail. There were people that. Uh, dealt with it. One of our one of the, our Baptist forefathers, if you put it that way, who actually uh, influenced and had some influence when they were came to the Constitution. His name was Isaac Bacchus. He was from Norwich, Connecticut. If you've been in that area, some of you are from that area. You'll see that name, that Bacchus name, on a hospital and even on a on a church that's that's there. But he he became Baptist. And there's a letter, a great letter that was recorded, that was written to him from prison. And it talks about how the, this person and a number of others were arrested and how, uh, you know, difficult the prison was and how, uh, you know, how inhospitable the prison was. And it's talking about all those things. And it's signed to Isaac Bacchus, signed Isaac Bacchus from your mother. The guy's old mom was put in jail for her faith and for, and for trying to take a stand for the Lord right here in the state of Connecticut. And you say, well, why would anybody do that? Well, maybe she considered him who endured. Maybe there was a generation of people who lived beyond just the end of their nose and they lived for something more eternal, not because there was any good in themselves, but because they took time to consider Him that endured. Instead of quitting, or instead of letting up, or instead of weakening their stand, they said, I'm going to stand more firmly upon the Word of God. Why? Because of what the Lord Jesus endured for me and endured on my behalf. He didn't lay aside His cross. He didn't lay aside His burden. He carried it to the very end until one day He would declare, it is finished. The Bible says, consider him that endured. Amen. Listen, don't quit. Mom and dad, don't quit. It's not easy having those kids in church and it's not easy uh, teaching them to do what's right. and It's not easy to fight the tide of everything that goes against God and his word and his scripture. It's not easy to, to, to go against that tide, but don't quit. Consider him that endured. I'm glad that those that went before us saw the value in finishing and completing the task and and getting it done. Don't set a pattern of quitting. Don't set a pattern from running away from the difficult things. And that and that example is seen, of course, and we could point to people from history and we can be encouraged by that, but the ultimate example of that is seen in our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ who came to this earth for a purpose and he carried out that purpose every day that he walked on this earth until he was hung on a cross in shame between heaven and earth and would declare it is finished. Consider him that endured. The one who lives as a disciple sees a purpose that is beyond this life. Their primary goal is not eat, drink, and be merry. It's not what do I get out of today. It is what can I do that will have an impact on eternity. You know, simple things. Seemingly so. Things that are simple for us, really. Think about vacation Bible school. Brother Bard mentioned candy and things like that. That's, those are fun things, but that's not the purpose of Vacation Bible School. You know what the purpose of Vacation Bible School is? It's to introduce people to the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior. It's a long week. It's a, it's a difficult week. But consider Him that endured. You know, that's simple. You say, well, that boy, that, that makes it, you know, that almost seems like you know, in some way inappropriate compar- No, that's what it's calling on us to do, to think about what Jesus did. When, you're, when, we're, when we are tempted to be weary and faint in our mind, that is the, that is the that a challenge here. He says, lest ye be weary and faint in your minds. He says, unless, unless you come to that point, consider him that endured. Amen. There might be a way to get involved. There might be a way to do more. Consider him that endured. In other words, don't quit. The second thing we see here in these verses is consider... His sacrifice. Consider his sacrifice. The sacrifice of Jesus is hard to fathom in human terms. We, we try with futility to, to relate to how, what Jesus did for us on the cross. But it always falls short. Because we can't quite fully comprehend the level of the sacrifice that he made for us when he not just died on the cross but when he stepped foot on this earth when he allowed himself to be born into this into this world and to live in this sin-cursed world and then to go to that cross we can't fully grasp it we sometimes we might use the story of a soldier giving his life or her life for their country and that's a great sacrifice we might use something boy. And I have such respect. For, I read I, just this morning, I saw this. There was a man in his 30s who, who drowned. He rescued two young kids from from a a, a a river somewhere, from a creek somewhere that were drowning. And he gave his life to rescue those kids. I don't think there's anything more powerful or profound than when you read something like that, you hear something like that, you know someone like that. We have We have missionaries in the Dominican Republic and... And Brother Wesson gave his life rescuing children that were about to drown in the Atlantic Ocean. He, he gave his life. His family still served the Lord, but he gave his life for that. And those are powerful things. But do you understand as powerful and as much as that should stir us, that that pales in comparison to the sacrifice that the Lord Jesus Christ made for us on the cross. He was one... Philippians chapter 2 spells it out for us. He was one that had all the glory of heaven at his disposal. And yet he laid that aside to come to this earth. You and I only know this earth. Think about it. We know what we know because it's where we were born. We know the, 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 the ramifications of the sin curse and that's all we ever know. He left the glory of heaven to come to this sin curse world to identify with humanity so that he could become the sacrifice that was necessary, the sinless sacrifice that was necessary in order for our sins to be, con- to, to be forgiven. And here in Hebrews chapter number 12, we're called upon to consider his sacrifice. He left that glory to do what 2 Corinthians chapter number 5 says. I'll read it to you. 2 Corinthians chapter number 5, verse 21 I like to say the reference. I know many times you're jotting it down and others, you'll go back and look at it later. But 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 21 says this. For he made him to be sin for us who knew no sin that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. As a human, I cannot comprehend the weight of that statement. As just a mere mortal, I cannot comprehend it. That he who knew no sin was made to be sin for us that's what he did we're called upon here in hebrews chapter number 12 to consider his sacrifice if a person constantly lives for themselves they are never willing to sacrifice anything for some reason this thought most of this week it took me a while to settle on hebrews chapter 12 but this thought for most of this week was on my mind about how, the, how the, just the average person of our day lives with that eat, drink, and be merry mentality. And I looked at several different scriptures that that dealt with that, dealt with that. And, and one of them Jesus told us about in, in, a, in, a, in a parable, he talked about a rich man who, who, who got all this stuff, and his, his crops were going well, and he said to himself, self... Build bigger barns. And you know what happened to that man? His life was taken. And you know what happened to all of his stuff and all of his big barns? Nobody knows. What we know is it did nothing of eternal value. The only, the only eternal value of that man's life is he could be used as an example of what not to do. That was the only eternal value. But you find one that in another place where the Lord identifies this lady... Who took two mites and they were all the offerings that were being given in the temple. And she put her two mites in that offering box. And the Lord identified that. Why? Because she was somebody who was willing to sacrifice. She gave, she gave what she had in order to, in in order to honor the Lord. And we're called on here in Hebrews chapter number 12 to consider Him and to consider His sacrifice. If a person constantly lives for themselves, They're never willing to sacrifice anything. But anything truly worth doing requires sacrifice. I challenge you to find one thing that is really worth doing from an eternal standpoint. And by the way, we're called upon to lay up treasures in heaven. That's the eternal. I challenge you to find one thing from an eternal standpoint that is worth doing that can be done without sacrifice. You're not going to find it. You're not going to find one thing. And there's different. Listen, I know people are called upon to sacrifice in different ways. I wish, I meant to mention this earlier. But I wish you'd pray for missionary Scott uh, Deku. He's a he's related to, he's the brother of Josh Deku. Who we support from here. And Josh, of course, married Frances. She's she from here. And and uh, he's, he's a missionary in Fiji. And And, and imagine... The scenario here, here he they found out he has some sort of some sort of heart um, issue it's a, a I think some sort of a, a deformity I don't know if it's deformity or what it, what it is but they discovered this he's and he had to now having to fly to Australia and uh, and uh, for that to be dealt with and you know you look at that and you think man that's a sacrifice not not that he planned any of that but think think how comfortably that could be taken care of if he was say here in the United States with his uh, with his family, and how, how comfortably that, that could be dealt with. But now he's having to do all that because he was willing to go to the mission field and to Fiji. Why is that? Well, at some point, and I know, Scott, I was in a, I was in a dorm with, with Brother Deku. At some point, he considered him and his sacrifice that he had been made on his behalf. So we sing it this way many times. We'll sing, Jesus paid it all. And the next phrase there, all to him I owe. We sang the song, is you're all on the altar, of sacrifice laid. Is, that, is, it, is it there? Why? You say, well, how dare he ask me to do such a thing? Well, consider him and his sacrifice. Consider what he has done for us. There might be somebody here today that you do not have assurance. You do not have assurance of your soul's salvation. Let me tell you right now, you need to consider his sacrifice and what he did for you. He died on the cross for your sins, according to the scriptures, and he was buried, and he rose again the third day, according to the scriptures. And the Bible says that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. The Bible says, the Bible says that as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. And I, try, I encourage you, if you don't have that assurance, to today make the, today the day of your salvation. Today, the day that you put your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. You say, Pastor Boyle, you seem like you work that into most everything you preach. Why is that? It's for this reason. I've been by the bedside of too many people that don't have that assurance. And I don't want anybody that hears me preach to leave without the opportunity to have that assurance of their soul's salvation. We need to consider his sacrifice. We need to consider what he has done for us. Because you know what? something might cost us a little bit here. But if it does an eternal work, that cost was worth it. You know, somebody's going to go out on a bus route this afternoon. There's bus, there's kids being dealt with even right now, and there's more routes that go out this afternoon. And somebody said, well, I'm going to sacrifice to be on that bus route. But if one soul, if one child trusts Jesus as their Savior, was it not worth it? Was it not worth the sacrifice? Was it not worth the investment? Was it not worth pouring one's life into that? Of course it was worth it. And, and we can look at it, we can see it, but we only see it when we first consider him. So don't be afraid. The First we consider his, his uh, endurance. Don't, be, don't quit. Now we ask to consider his sacrifice. Don't be afraid to commit. There's a lot of, it's a something else we see just all around us in our world that people are afraid to commit to anything. You know, there's a, there's a, I'm not trying to get on a hobby horse here, but it's just, it's, it's a nationwide problem. Maybe a worldwide problem, I don't know, but I only live here, so I know it's a nationwide problem. Where young people aren't getting married anymore. And it's becoming such a problem that I'm talking about in secular News cycles and circles, you're, they're, they're, they're being alarmed by some of the numbers. And I think one of the reasons is they're not a, people are afraid to commit to anything. You know, I, I'll tell you, and I have nobody, listen, I'm just helping you right now. You know, don't be afraid to sacrifice for the right things, because out of that sacrifice, eternal things can happen, and eternal things can be done. And so don't be afraid don't be afraid to commit. The third thing we see, so we're called upon to consider his endurance, we're called upon to consider his sacrifice. But I also want you to see we're called upon to consider his joy. Look at verse number 2. The Bible says, "Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured" the cross. We we talked about considering his endurance. He endured all the way through. But now let's consider his joy, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. It was all endured, why? For the joy that was set before him. The joy that was set before him, I think, includes many different things. For example, it it included the conquering of death. You know, I don't think Jesus liked death. And I can go back to, we can go back to story after story in the scriptures, and we can see examples. I don't think Jesus liked death, he stopped the funeral. And interrupted the funeral to raise somebody from the dead one time. He, he, the Bible tells us in John chapter 11, Jesus wept. Why was that? Because there was a death involved with that. And I think Jesus endured and he was willing to make that sacrifice for the joy that was set before him. And part of that joy, no doubt, was the ability to eradicate death for all that would put their faith in him. To where death is but a temporary thing for the believer it is something we have an eternity promise that reaches well beyond death and and his view of death is now is is way different because of what he did for us on the cross it's the ending of our mortality and the beginning of eternal life and we can think about how he promised everlasting life I don't think he appreciated death very much Death was the consequence of sin. It was the consequence of the very thing he came to destroy. And for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. Amen. We could think of that as also, he, that included the joy that was set in, before him, included the fulfillment of his father's will. Look at, look at what it says at the, la- the last phrase there. It says, and is set down on the right hand of the throne of God. Him finishing his work here was the completion of the divine plan that, that was necessary in order for man's sins to be forgiven. And he is now set down at the right hand of the throne of God. It was the joy that was set for him, knowing this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. It was the joy of, of knowing that, that he would be soon seated where, what, upon what was rightfully his. But then there's another reason, there's another aspect, and this may be the biggest one. An aspect of the joy that was set before him would be in the multitude of the redeemed that would receive his salvation. Amen. Do you realize, if you're a born-again child of God, this morning when you got up and you looked in the mirror, you were looking at the joy that was set before him. <laughs> You. And when you trusted him as Savior, you became part of that joy that was set before him. Now I don't know that I've always been enjoyable to him. (laughs) There are plenty of days where I doubt that I'm very enjoyable because I'm not doing what I should do or I'm not acting like I should act, but because I'm part of the redeemed, I'm part of the joy that was set before him. You know what kept him on that cross it was the folks sitting in Central Baptist Church right now that have accepted him as Savior. It was the folks listening online right now that may, that, that, that may have accepted Jesus Christ as their savior. As folks right now all across the eastern east coast of the United States that are gathering together that have accepted Jesus Christ as their savior and as time zones continue to roll over and believers begin to meet together, they're part of that joy that was set before him and one day we'll all be together with him and I think that's the ultimate fulfillment of that joy when his people are alongside him and with him to forever be with him as it is as it says, that was the joy that was set before him. See, he could see beyond himself. I know he's God, but we're, we're told to consider him lest we be weary and faint And faint in our minds. He, was able, he did what he did because he was able to see beyond where he was at, able to see beyond himself. We need to get back to where we can see something beyond ourselves. If we live under ourselves, we die under ourselves, and nothing is left in our wake, nothing is left behind but when we live for eternity, eternal things happen and that that only God can even quantify. And I can we can go to the book of Revelation and talk about and see it, how those have gone on before their works remain, and their works continue to multiply, and their works continue to grow. I appreciate so much our church family and how they rallied around designers and how they ministered to them this week, both in being at the funeral and also providing food for the luncheon that was there. But what a powerful testimony. In the last week of her life, she led a little girl to the Lord by going out and sacrificing a little bit on a bus route and going out and giving of herself and going out and seeing a little bit beyond herself. And I guarantee you there's no regrets of that one that was led to Jesus. Why? Because at some point she considered him. Have you considered him recently? It's very easy. I'll just, I'll say it this way. I don't, I'm not trying to hurt anybody's feelings, but it's very easy to live selfishly, isn't it? Because we consider ourselves. We consider what I want for now, what makes me feel good now. The Bible says, consider him. Consider his endurance, consider his sacrifice, but also consider his joy. I opened up, talking about our forefathers. They accomplished something because they were willing to live beyond themselves for something greater than themselves. But the example of our Savior, Lord Jesus Christ, far exceeds that of our forefathers. For us, to us now, the challenge is simple. For consider, verse number three, consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against themselves, lest you be wearied and faint in your minds. Dear Lord, we thank you for this day.